This episode of the Fresh Start Family Show is brought to you by our Quick Start Learning Bundle, how to build a compassionate, firm, and kind discipline toolkit that works with kids of all ages. Head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline to grab your Quick Start Bundle so you can get going today on building up a strong, compassionate, discipline toolkit in your home. Well, hello, listeners. I'm so happy you are here for a new episode. I am your host, Wendy Snyder, positive parenting educator and family life coach. And today on the show, we have Alicia Grogan, licensed occupational therapist and founder of Your Kids Table who is going to be talking to us about sensory challenges with kids, in particular, hidden sensory issues that parents often miss. And you may have heard or remember when Alicia has been on our show before, she was um, on back Back, back a while now. It's been a while. Um, it was episode 47. We'll make sure we put the, the link in the show notes for this, this episode also, but um, freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash 47. But she spoke to us originally about picky eating, and she does a lot of phenomenal work in the world uh, and has many, many programs to help families who feel like they have picky eaters or really big challenges around food and eating. And she's just incredible in that space. And she's also incredible in the sensory processing and differences space. And this conversation um, is just really, really good. So I'm excited for you to listen to it. It was um, especially meaningful to me because I look back after we recorded this episode, I look, I was thinking about it. And I, you know, when I look back to when Stella was young, so Stella, my oldest is 14 now, my youngest is, is 11. And back in in the season when I found positive parenting and things were really, really dark for me, um, if you've never heard my story, Terry and I's story about how um, the poop really hit the fan <laughs> before things got better for us, make sure you listen to episode one of the Fresh Start Family Show, freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash one, or just scroll all the way back to the beginning. But Terry and I really talk about that season of life and how dark and challenging it was before we found this work that I teach now that really just changed everything for our family. But one of the things I remember is just how like physically uh, challenging it was with Stella and also just how sensitive she was. So for example, I remember, I'll talk a little bit about, you'll hear in this episode, but we used to take, I used to take her to gymnastics class when she was three and she just was the kid who was hyperactive. She was not able to keep her hands to herself. Um, she tackle hugged her friends, like literally slamming them to the ground. Now, thank God there were mats there, but um, it was just really challenging. I just remember some of my worst parenting moments were at that gymnastics center. <laughs> If you've never heard me tell the story about some of my biggest, uh, my biggest punishment regret was at that gym- gymnastics center after I'm sure one of those days when I was just like, why can't you just chill out, keep your hands to yourself, not, not be so hyperactive, not have so many meltdowns. Um, I actually tell that story usually when I teach uh, my compassionate discipline class. So if you've never been to that, um, I'd highly recommend you join me for that workshop, freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline class. We'll always make sure we put the, the all the links I mentioned in the show notes page. Um, but it was just a really challenging season. And then on top of that, combined with how many times she had a meltdown over how hot she was in her pool up or she would not like, you know, we'd buy these Easter dresses that she'd be so excited about. And then she'd have a meltdown on Easter morning because she couldn't wear it because it was too scratchy. And then I would get frustrated. And it was just there were so many times that I look at it and I'm like, 
holy smokes, I think there was a giant sensory issue going on. And I just think, man, if I would have had Alicia back then um, or known about her programs and been able to fill up my toolkit in that area to understand what I could do to help my little girl in addition to the positive parenting I was learning, it just would have been so helpful. And um, I think I probably would have avoided (laughs) some really regretful parenting uh, moments that I had. But so anyways, as as you listen to this, um, if you have a child where you can relate to some of the things that Alicia is talking about, you're not alone. Um, Still to this day, I look at my amazing Stella bird and even the way she pets the dog or hits the volleyball or drums or whatever it is, I'm like, okay, I see that she just has certain sensory preferences. And thank God over the years we've, we've learned, um, how to, how to support her with those. And also I'm still learning. Like you'll hear me talk to Alicia today. I'm just, I'm just still really learning about this and I'm excited to bring this to you guys today. So Again, if you are exhausted, frustrated, confused by your kiddos, maybe they have poor focus, maybe they're hyperactive, maybe they have a lot of meltdowns, maybe they have a lot of sensitivities um, or sensory issues, then this episode is for you. And then make sure you also... um, Join Alicia for her free challenge. You guys know how much we love challenges here at Fresh Start Family. We do one ourselves twice a year, the Fresh Start Parenting Challenge. Um, But she is hosting one called Thriving with Sensory, which is a seven-day challenge. Um, So you can join her by going to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash sensory. And I'm going to be doing it too, because again, I'm really, as an educator and a family life coach, I'm really looking to expand my knowledge about sensory because I think, again, Again, it's just another tool or many tools we can put in our tool bucket that perfectly complement the work we do when it comes to positive parenting and um, mindset work and all, all the good stuff. Okay, so make sure you join Alicia for that free um, seven-day challenge that she's hosting very, very soon. Let me know your thoughts. And without further ado, you guys enjoy this episode. Thank you, as always, for listening and supporting the Fresh Start Family Show. I love each and every one of you. Well, hey there, I'm Stella. Welcome to my mom and dad's podcast, The Fresh Start Family Show. We're so happy you're here. We're inspired by the ocean, Jesus, and rock and roll, and believe deeply in the true power of love and kindness. Together, we hope to inspire you to expand your heart, learn new tools, and strengthen your family. Enjoy the show. Well, hey there, families, and welcome to a new episode of the Fresh Start Family Show. Welcome, Alicia. Thanks for coming back to the show. We're so happy to have you. Oh, Wendy, I am so thrilled to be here. Thanks so much for having me back. Yes, our community, Alicia, is like dying to hear this information that we're going to talk about today when it comes to sensory processing and sensory issues and community, what we are talking about today is hidden sensory issues that parents often miss. And Alicia's going to hit on three points for us um, that I think is just going to be so helpful because every single week we get questions that um, me and my coaching team, you know, we, we look at each other and we say, okay, here's everything that we can help this family with. And I think that there's probably a hit of sensory in here. And I will tell you, Alicia, that 
I have had sensory experts on the show, and I still have trouble understanding what this sensory processing stuff is. So I'm just so excited to gleam your your wisdom today and to hear you speak about this and hopefully soak in more and more of it because it does kind of feel like a confusing subject, but at the same time, it's so powerful, right, to alleviate stress in the home and help children um, be able to self-regulate and have more peace and calm in their right in their life, right? Yes, a hundred percent. And you are totally right. And you are not alone. Uh, that is what we hear from so many people. It is my experience as an OT that I cannot tell you how many people's homes I have sat in. Uh, the thousands of comments that we have gotten on our blog over the years from people saying, uh, I don't understand what that is, or I don't really know what that is, or misinformation, confusion, or a total lack of information, and that nobody has ever even said this to a parent whose child is clearly struggling with sensory issues. So I think some of the problem is that sensory processing is a neurological process that we cannot see. So it's happening in the brain. And, you know, it's neurological processes and there are so many layers to sensory issues that unless you've really been trained in it, it can be very difficult to wrap your head around, which is, you know, our mission at your kid's table is to kind of take away that confusion. So we work really hard on our blog. We work really hard in our program. Uh, We have a new uh, challenge that's coming out and is truly with that in it, that it's, you know, a free resource for parents to truly understand what the heck the sensory thing is, how it affects their kids and what they can do about it, because there really is such a gap in the information and understanding. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, let's jump right into it then. Um, And talk to us about when we're talking about these hidden sensory issues that parents often miss, because a lot of times, like, you know, parents will have misbehavior start arising or challenging, you know, stuff that's going on with their kiddo and they take their kid to the doctor and one says one thing, another says another. And then of course, they're just looking for resources everywhere. And like you hit on a lot of times, the sensory part is just missed. So number one, talk to us about how any child can have sensory issues and they can range from mild to moderate. Right. So this is, I think when we hear the word issues, which is the word that most people are using. Uh, you know, I can I can see in traffic to our website that most people are Googling sensory issues. Uh, that That's the thing that we're saying. But I really think of those yeah. as like, it's like a sensory processing difficulty. It's the same thing as like, you know, your child isn't good at math or they're not good at mm. reading. Like that's because of the way their brain is wired. They are having difficulty with that task. It's the same thing with sensory processing. If we can just think about it on a really basic level without getting into all these complexities, the brain is just having a hard time taking in all of the sensations. And listen, we are bombarded with like thousands of sensations a day. There are so many sensations you and I are experiencing right now that we're not even paying attention to because of our sensory processing. You are paying attention to me like my voice and hearing that you're looking at me on the screen. So those sensations are coming in, but you're probably not paying attention to the way that your shirt feels on your back or the way that your chair feels under your, under your bottom. Like, because your brain is doing this completely sophisticated process of what do I need to pay attention to? 
What do I not need to pay attention to? What's important? What's not important? So just like anything else in our brain, any other delay that a child can have, the same thing happens with sensory processing. And sometimes the brain gets it mixed up and they're paying too much attention to the wrong sensations, or they're not paying attention enough to other sensations. And that's why we can see this huge range of sensory issues in kids because it, it varies. It's unique, just like every single child is unique. So some kids have very mild sensory processing issues, which I would say is one of my sons falls into that category. You know, he is a little particular about some textures. He doesn't always like to get messy, but it wouldn't prevent him from finger painting with his classmates. You know, it's not his favorite thing to do, but you know, he can push through it and do it that there that is because of his sensory processing kids should be ready to fully put their hands into finger paint or jump in the sandbox or run across the grass in their bare feet and when we see that they're not that is a sign something's going on with their sensory those those things depending on how much they're impacting their life kind of puts us on a place of is this a mild issue or is this a moderate or is this a severe issue because we kind of determine that by the impact it's having in his life. I say my son, one of my sons has very mild issues because it doesn't really prevent him from doing anything. It's not causing a huge issue in his life. He might verbalize that a little bit here and there, but another child may have a meltdown in the middle of their kindergarten classroom because the finger paints came out and they are terrified that they are going to have to touch it. That is impacting their life. And what does the teacher see? The teacher sees a child is having a meltdown. He's not listening. He's not doing what the other kids are doing. So now, now it is an issue. Now we have an issue. And again, it can, uh, the more sensory processing difficulties a child has, really the more issue they become in their life because they start to affect all sorts of areas of their life. Like uh, they, that can affect their sleep. It can affect what they're eating. It can affect how they communicate. It can affect how they pay attention or follow directions or, you know, socialize with their peers because if they're so distracted by these sensory difficulties, they might not be able to focus on interacting with their peers or paying attention to what the teacher is saying or finishing their homework. So I think that One of the things that's most misunderstood is that when we think about sensory issues, if you're aware of them, is that this is this is for kids that have really severe disabilities or issues, but really any child can have sensory difficulties. And I see it. I see it all of the time in kids in the grocery store and kids. I, you know, I, I volunteered a a classroom event at one of my kids schools and I'm like, oh, sensory, sensory. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I, I yes. see it everywhere. And these are typical kids sitting in a classroom, you know, so it, it's yeah. really a very wide range. And I want to take away the stigma that sensory issues are only impacting kids that have special needs. Yes. Oh, that's so, I should have been taking notes. I have so much that I, hopefully my brain will remember to ask you here. Um, okay. Yes. And I, I love this because bringing awareness to this just helps. Like you said, it affects everything because I so often see that, that when 
you know, let's say teachers or parents aren't able to get curious and get, get kind of underneath what's happening with the misbehavior, then it turns into a relationship problem. Right. And so that's where it's like, where my work specializes in is this relationship connection based firm and kind parenting, where you can support your child, seek to understand and also set firm limits. But if you're just assuming that they're not listening, if you're assuming that they're just misbehaving and being bad or, or not doing what they're supposed to, um, that then affects everything else when really a lot of these kids it sounds like they just need someone to see what's actually happening get curious see if there's actually sensory stuff going on so let me ask you this Alicia so it makes sense to me and again I'm just trying to dumb this down because I cannot be you know like you said this is very common right to be confused by it and we've had so many amazing sensory experts on the show So it makes sense to me, like the avoiding of things, right? So like um, Stella, my my 14-year-old was like this when she was young and she's actually still has some of these, right? Like these mild things you talk about. So the clothing, like we have so many funny stories about how her her pull-up would get so hot. She thought she was so hot that she would be like, it's hot to bot. And she would freak out. Like she hated having her hair brushed. Um, She was so like sensitive to everything, never really liked being touched and hugged. Um, But at the same time, then she would like go tackle hug her friends at gymnastics class, which I'm leading into. Um, So the the clothing and the tags and the, the mushy food or the paint, like that makes a little bit more sense to me. And then there's the behaviors that I feel like I hear you speak a lot about that's like the seeking, the seeking of the roughness, the seeking of the prickly, the seeking of the like loud noises. And that one is a little bit harder for me to understand. I'm like, so you want to be tackled and that feels good? Like, cause Stella was the kid where she could never sit still in the gymnastics class and say when she was three and four, some of my worst parenting moments were at the YMCA gymnastics center. <laughs> But, um, but she like, and she just, when she hugged her friend, it wasn't just a hug. It was like a tackle hug still to this day when she like pets the dog, it's not usually like a mild pet. It's like a very rough shaking. Um, but at the same time, she doesn't like to be touched. Like we just slept together in Kansas city. We ended up having to share a bed at her volleyball tournament. And, um, she like, is like, mom, do not touch me. If I even touch her, (laughs) she's like, mom, get away from me. Like she just, and and with her friends and everything, she's okay. But with me, it's like, or, or, you know, she just has this preference of like, don't like not a big hugger, all those things. So can you just talk to me for a minute before we go on to the next point of like those, how to understand that when they're seeking something that they're not getting over trying to avoid something, does that make sense? Yeah. A hundred percent. So, you know, when we, when we're talking about sensory issues, we're mostly talking about what's called sensory modulation issues. So it's, it's our ability to like, in our brain, modulate all of these different sensations that we're getting. So number one, it's important to know is that sensory processing issues can fluctuate all the time. So you might see these kind of trends, but they can be bigger or worse on one day versus another day or something that would like set them off one day as like, quite not as bad on another day. And that's because it depends on how well our brain is working that day. So if we're more, if Mm. if your child is more tired, if your child is more, if they're hungry or they haven't eaten well, you know, if they've been eating like candy all day and no judgment, I mean, I'm just saying like, you know, if they just had like a really poor nutrition day, which happens for all of our kids, 
uh, we're going to probably see like those heightened sensory issues because the brain just is like, is, Mm -hmm. you know, there's already a problem there and now it's like really sluggish and not working as well. Or maybe relationship drama, right? Sorry to interrupt. If there's relationship drama with the parents and they're stressed and there's been like tension there, that could even contribute to like, that makes sense. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Or, you know, overwhelm in school from like learning, you know, like you're at school and you're just like, I'm overwhelmed. This is a very difficult concept for me to grasp. Your brain is using so much of its power. So that part that's like constantly working to keep the sensory processing going well, just starts to get diminished. You know, it's just like not working as well, which is why a lot of sensory kids. I mean, one of the reasons why so many sensory kids come home and they have meltdowns as soon as they get home from school. Mm. Uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's just so much They're You know, what we would say the clinical term for that is dysregulated. So they're like, they're out of balance. They're out right. of sync. So when we look at sensory modulation, there's really kind of three different lanes that kids can go into. One is that avoiding that you talked about. So that's when they have like extreme sensitivities to different sensations. Another is when the sensations aren't really registering at all. This one is the least common. And it's usually like kids are kind of sluggish. They're, they're out of touch. We call it low registration. They're not really there. We don't see this one as often, but I'll mention it in case it resonates with anyone in your audience. Yeah. And then we see the seeking behavior, which is when they want more of it. So what's happening there is that it's like the sensation is getting lost in transit. It's like, it's just, it's not fully registering in the brain and a child tends to want more. Uh, There's something that's really calming about that behavior. So they're seeking it out. Now I said, there's three lanes, but it's extremely common to see a combination of these, which is what you're seeing in your daughter. So she has like some of these avoiding things, which gets confusing and some of these seeking things. Now, other kids you will look at, and they're like a seeker through and through. They're an avoider. (laughs) It's very common to see this kind of mashup of, they avoid these types of things, but they really excessively seek out these types of things. And again, it's something that's going on in the brain that's making them feel like they need more and more and more of it. It's like the brain isn't getting enough because kids, every single child is wired to participate in sensory activities. It is literally a foundation of learning and they need that to be able to, to experience and participate in higher learning. So if they feel like they're not getting enough of it, neurologically, they're going to want more. They're going to want to crash, run, jump, all of those things to get more of that input. Let's chat for a hot sec, openly and honestly, about what your discipline toolkit looks like in your home right now. If you're anything like most parents, you're relying on the hand-me-down set you inherited. Timeouts, spankings, threatening of spankings, taking iPads away, three, two, one countdowns, groundings, taking away toys, e-bikes, iPhones, any or all of those kind of tactics that create a total relationship strain and don't even work long-term to end your child's misbehavior for good. Meaning you might spank your child or send them to timeout today for being air quotes mean to their sister or disrespecting you, But then three days from now, they're repeating the same misbehavior, which causes you to flip your lid because you know they know better. I want to help you learn a new way so you could end the vicious cycle that's keeping you stuck as a parent and causing you to feel super frustrated that 
nothing is working to get your strong-willed, stubborn child to behave better. My team and I have recently completely refreshed our Compassionate Discipline Quick Start Learning Bundle to help you learn a new way to teach your kids important life lessons, a new way to help your children learn from their mistakes and take responsibility for their actions. You can just DM me the word shift over on Instagram. I'm at Fresh Start Wendy, and I'll personally send you a message with a link to download this free bundle. I'm going to help you shift out of a punishment mindset and into a compassionate discipline one where you fully trust that connection-based, firm and kind discipline tools are all you need to be a strong leader in your home who holds your kids responsible when they misbehave, but does it in a way where they are learning the vital life skills they are missing when they mess up. So again, just DM me the word shift over on Instagram. I'm at Fresh Start Wendy, or you can head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline to grab your free bundle now. I am so excited for you to shift out of feeling guilty and shameful when you lay your head on your pillow at night and shift into feeling confident and proud of the way you handled yourself as a parent, even when you were wildly triggered and upset about the mistake your child made. Okay, I'm excited for you to dive into this free resource. I'll see you in my DMs and inside the free discipline bundle. Yes. Okay. That is so helpful. And it's very, it sounds very similar to what, you know, the, what I teach, what it's founded on, right? Like the needs, like every child has the need to belong, the need to feel powerful, the need to feel um, like they are safe and they are valuable, unconditional love, all these things. And they will go seeking it if those buckets aren't filled up for them, so to speak. So I can relate to it in that manner. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah. And that makes sense that they can be a combination, right? Like again, similar in my work, it's like, there's four different categories of misbehavior um, that we teach about, but really kids can fall into all different buckets depending on what day. And many of them are one, one laners. Like (laughs) my little girl is a power girl for sure. My little guy has a tendency to be more attention or inadequacy. Um, But of course they, they go all around. And it also makes sense to me why, and let me just verify this. So if there's some sensory issues that show up in, in one lane or two, like they're going to maybe show up all over the place, right? Like, so if you have a child that you're like, oh, there's some stuff going on there. I listened to this episode and I'm realizing there's some stuff it's going to show up in other places. Right. So that it makes sense to me why Stella became such a thriving drummer, right? Like, so she was the tag avoider, but then she was the physical, like seeking. She's also like a thriving competitive volleyball player now. And she like the sensation she gets when she smashes that ball or those drums, I can imagine it's fulfilling something within her brain. Is that accurate? Yeah, totally. A hundred percent. And it's very, and it's calming. It's like filling in a, Mm a gap for her. And what we will see again is adults that have like these kinds of sensory issues. They, and and we'll see this for some children moving into teens. Again, when their issues are milder, they tend to gravitate towards things like they might work out a lot or they become runners or, you know, they find very appropriate things to put in their life. And you will even hear adults say sometimes like, I am not, I am not right if I don't get my workout in, in the morning or before bed or whenever it is that their body really needs. And obviously there's multiple benefits to those kinds of exercises, but you can kind of hear it in the way some people talk. Like, I just don't, I don't feel like, I don't feel like myself if I haven't run. It's not like so much of a mental health thing. It's more of like this kind of 
physical need that like, I need to get this out. So we all, we really truly all have some sensory issues. We all have sensory processing. We all have preferences, but I think what, what you said, and when I really focus on is that we need to kind of look through this lens for our kids when they're starting to show some of these signs. And I think some of that awareness is knowing what some of those signs are. And I know I'm kind of like leading us into the second point there. Yeah. Well, talk to us about that. Sensory issues can be hard to detect. It's important to know some of the big signs. Right. So I think if we can create more awareness, which again is, you know, so much of what we're trying to do in our free challenge. And I know you have a link for your audience. Remind me what it is again. Yes. FreshStartFamilyOnline.com forward slash sensory. Right. You guys. So that is starting next week. This is the first time we're doing it. It's uh, going to be great because we're going to talk a lot more about the signs that you see and kind of what to do when you're what happens when you do see these signs and steps you can take to start actually helping your kids. So when we're talking about, let's talk about some big signs here that I think are some of the obvious ones we've already hit on, hit on some of them. And I think number one is it is a hundred percent a red flag. If you see your child avoiding something, this is, and I think sometimes people dismiss this because they're like, Oh, they don't like that, but it is not a typical part of a child's development to be incessantly bothered by a tag. We all get bothered by a tag. There are some tags on the back of a shirt that are so annoying, but if your child is having a meltdown in the morning because of what clothes they're going to put on, or they don't want to put any clothes on, or they can't find any clothes that feel okay on their body, that is a red flag. And again, that's another area that sometimes people think a child is just being defiant here. Like they don't want to get dressed. You know, they're trying to make my life difficult and they just want to run around naked. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And it's, and it's, and it's understandable why we do that because we, you don't know what you don't know. And if you don't know that there's sensory, it, like there's these sensory difficulties, then that's the next reasonable conclusion. You know, they're trying, you know, they're being bad, they're being bad, but anytime your child is avoiding anything, and this can happen with any of the senses, it can even happen with movement. You know, some kids are, if your kid is scared to get on a swing That is not typical part of development. Children should be wanting to participate in these activities. And if they are not, it is definitely a sign there's something going on with their sensory system. And and the thing is, is that this, like we've been talking about, this filters down and affects other areas of their life. So a child that has difficulty with movement, let's say, like they don't want to get on the swing. Like it's it's just very, makes them feel ungrounded. Now this is normal for adults. Our sensory systems change as we get older, we get more sensitive to movement. We tend to get more motion sickness, like the older we get, that is normal. But as a child, we should not already be seeing that. And we actually know that those difficulties with that kind of movement are actually linked to difficulties with reading because the, mm, wow. the senses kind of overlap. So this stuff starts to go really, really deep. So it's easy to dismiss and be like, well, I don't care. They don't have to ride the swing, but it's all connected yeah. <laughs> because again, this is the building blocks of learning. So if they're not processing this information, well, it's probably going to trickle up into something, into something else. So avoiding, that's a huge one that you want to watch for. Number two is kind of general distractibility, poor attention and focus. 
That can be a variety of things. But what I'm asking is that that's a sign for us to at least consider if sensory is a component because uh, sensory strategies at least can probably help, even if the cause is something like attention deficit issues. Sensory activities can usually help a child in those situations. So we want to be considering, is this a component of the problem? Because our kids that are those seekers that we were just talking about, that is one of the most classic signs because they have such a need to move or to seek out more movement, climbing, jumping, that pounding that you were talking about. They want that. It's very difficult for them to sit in school for six hours. It's very difficult. You know, if a family is saying, I like it's dinner time and we've just been in a long car ride home after daycare or after school care, and you haven't really had a chance to move. And now I want you to sit at the table for 30 minutes and have a nice sit down dinner. Listen, I will tell you, you know, Wendy, I am like, yes, sit down for dinner. Like we need to sit down for dinner, but we might need to back that up because this isn't about your child necessarily not wanting to eat or having a hard time, uh, like trying to be defiant at the dinner table. This might be, I am seeking movement and I haven't had any chance to move my body. So they, we need to recognize that first. So again, uh, you know, distractibility, poor focus. And then I would say the last big category is anything your child is excessively seeking out. So if your child is like touches everything in sight, if they smell everything around the room or everybody, these things start to seem weird. And we, again, they can kind of get embarrassing, but they're signs of sensory processing difficulties. Yes. Okay. So helpful. And then like hitting, kicking, those type of physical things can be related too, right? Because I know those are so triggering for parents, but when you just at least start seeking, like what is this could be three related. It's probably one of those big ones people miss too, right? Yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, one of the moms in our program was actually just telling uh, me recently that her her son for so long would make her would make her crazy because he would come up and tug on her arm all the time, and she thought it was like yeah. this nagging thing that he was being rude or disrespectful. I mean, she just, again, you don't know what you don't know. So it's like, why would he be doing this? And he wasn't, he often wasn't agitated or even had anything to say. And then it was upsetting her sensory system because she's having this, this tugging. So her, you know, her tolerance is going down because it's irritating her. Uh, And then, you know, as soon as she learns and like puts all these pieces together, she's like, Oh, he's seeking this type of input and we can find other things to replace that with. It's going to meet his names. Like, you know, for your daughter, she like found playing sports and banging on a drum, but there are so many other things that we can do in our, in our daily activities to help these kids. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. And I love how it's all complimentary, right? Like I, you know, all of us who are focused and, and really love serving families in our own way, we all are complimentary to one another, right? I know I saw you just did um, a big thing on Instagram another day about, you know, like helping parents just see like, okay, if you're wondering if your child is ADD or ADHD, let's talk about that and how sensory can often be related. And then I just love how like all the different helpers out there, whether it's an ADHD specialist, a sensory specialist, a parenting specialist, even psychologists or psychiatrists, 
I really believe we're all complementary, right? And if a parent mm-hmm. can find different things from different helpers that support their family and help their children, it's just wonderful to kind of layer on top of each other. So, so good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, all right. Talk to us about this third point. And then I do, I pulled a few questions from my community just to ask you after we talk about this last point, like, Hey, Alicia, could, could this be sensory? And so we'll, we'll do that in a minute. Um, hopefully we have time. I think we will, but let's talk about um, the last point of how hidden sensory issues that parents often miss are. And the number three is sensory issues can be managed and, and improved. So yeah, talk to us about that. Talk, talk to us about some success stories that you've had. I'm sure you've had a gazillion in your community. Yeah, absolutely. So this is important because I think once people realize that sensory issues exist, that their child might have sensory issues, you know, the, the next conclude conclusion is, well, this is my burden to bear. Uh, this is, this is, this is the struggle my child faces. It is a challenge, but as an occupational therapist, Listen, the good news is that sensory issues can be dramatically improved or worked around. So again, we've talked about a couple mild examples here and sensory issues can have a very severe impact on a child's life. And even for these kids that are really severe, we can improve it by using specialized like sensory activities and giving them specific strategies And what that does is it actually rewires the brain. So I'm going to geek out a little bit and I'll keep this super basic. But anytime we learn something new, we, our brains, like the cells connect and make a new connection in our brain. It's called a new pathway. Now, if that is new, like, let's say, I don't know, last, last week, I learned a couple of German words. Well, there was a connection there. It's pretty weak. I didn't practice that again. And uh, right now, like I would have a hard time recalling it. I did not learn a couple words in German, but something that would be difficult for us. You can <laughs> yeah. kind of think of that. But like it would be difficult for me to re- recall that. However, if I kept practicing those words mm. every time I do, that connection's getting stronger and stronger and stronger. It's kind of like exercising a muscle, like, okay, like I remember what that is because more and more cells keep coming together and we make this pathway super strong. So what happens when we give our kids the right sensory activities, and I I do say the right, and this is actually with the the, the huge emphasis that I'll be teaching on in the free challenge, is when we use the right sensory activities to match your child's sensory issues. Because as we were talking about, there's a variety of sensory issues, and it's so important to know what your child's sensory issues are to understand what that means. You can match the right activities, and you can either, one learn how to manage them so you can work around them and that they're not a huge issue. So there's all kinds of like tricks and tips that we can use to kind of minimize sensory issues in the moment. But there's also many activities that we can do that when they do one of these activities, it creates that new connection in the brain. So there's two new cells Mm. that connect. And the more we do those activities and the stronger we make that connection, the brain then starts to process that information in a new way. So a child, and I have seen this happen in in my programs and with the kids that I have worked with, if a child has that extreme sensitivity to touch, they, they cannot stand getting messy. They cannot stand putting different clothes on. They cannot eat different textures of food. All of this is stemming from the same problem. It's because their brain is 
over-processing that sensation. The brain is saying, this is horrible. This feels, this feels torturous. So if we teach the brain a new way, I have seen kids then that were once screaming because they could not get dressed in the morning or screaming because they could only eat one texture of food or screaming because they couldn't get their hands messy, thoroughly stick their hands inside of like a deep sensory bin and put it all over their body. So they can get to that point through like specialized sensory activities. But again, it's so important to know what those needs are. So the point here is that what I want your community to know is that this isn't hopeless. This isn't a life sentence. This is filled with hope. And there is so much potential for for your child to learn how to overcome and improve these sensory issues. Oh, I love it. And a few, a few questions before I give you some examples from my community, just to see if there might be sensory elements of it in your opinion. Um, So can the, the kid, can kids who have the sensory issues can, are they often like, does, would a parent say that they're super sensitive, right? Is that a word that goes hand in hand? For some of the issues. Yeah. Because if you have a seeker, they're not going to say that, but yes, if you have a child avoiding a lot of things, they would, a seeker is a very common word that you will hear for a kid. I'm just recalling like, yeah, I'm recalling all the things about Stella. Um, and one of the things I'm remembering now is how much she felt pain, like pain. Mm -hmm. If she got the flu, it was like, she was dying. It was the worst. Or if she got a little cut, like there was a time when she had like a one hour meltdown because she had this tiny little cut from like when she fell on the scooter and Terry and I were just like, what is happening here? But when I look at it, it had to have been related to sensory, right? Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And Uh, that's the thing. So I think a lot of times we dismiss, especially those kinds of things when kids are like avoiding or sensitive, we dismiss it because we think, what? Like I wouldn't react. That's not, that's yes. They're high maintenance. That's not typical. Like the kids don't act like that. I didn't act like that. Your brother doesn't act like that. Like, like whatever. But, uh, you know, and again, there are times where there are attention seeking behaviors a hundred percent, but when we're seeing these patterns in kids and if, when we step back and again, when I feel like we really look through that sensory lens and we're like, wait a second, we know, you know, as a parent, when we give ourselves that space, well, they're really upset here. It might seem ridiculous to us, but what's happening is that they're, they're experiencing that at a deeper intensity than you would because of the way their brain is wired. So their experience is quite literally very different from your experience or what would be the average experience because their brain is like over firing. It's like over triggering. It's like, this is painful. This is so painful. So those signals are being sent. They're experiencing that pain. That is really helps me to understand this, like signals that are over firing, like over triggering, like, cause you know, you see so many parents who have the kids who have like the excessive intense meltdowns, right. Or, you know, maybe they're they're always freaking out about things. And I'm always encouraging families and and throughout this conversation, it's, you know, similar tone is like, if you can just change your mindset and think, okay, this child is suffering, like what is going on for them? Like, how can I just start to understand a little bit more about what else could be going on besides me just classifying them as high maintenance, super drama, like out of control, all these things. Um, And 
And it's just so helpful when we change our mindset. The other, the other thing I was going to touch on is I imagine, Alicia, that your work that you do with all these kind of kids that that's struggle with this probably has a high rate of lowering like anxiety for these kids, right? So do sensory kids have a higher rate of anxiety? They do. Yes. Yeah. There's a strong correlation. Yes. Yeah. So I can only imagine that once a parent shifts their mindset and starts almost like becoming a detective, like, you know, cause I work with a lot of parents who are like, my kids have got a lot of misbehavior, right? Um, if they can shift their mindset and start to see, start to become these detectives of like, what if sensory is at play? What if that is one of the reasons why you're having like, and then that helps us become more empathetic and compassionate. And then when we approach a child again, like every single human being, but children have the need to belong. They have the need to feel powerful. And when we come at them with like, Hey, there's nothing wrong with you. You are just designed in this way that you have this preference and this preference, and I'm here to support you. We're going to learn how to fill this need for you. We're going to help you understand how to deal with those, those firing in your brains. Like I always want to say thoughts, but it's, it's a, for what you're talking about is an actual physical firing of the brain, right? Like, and I'm sure that leads to thoughts. So it's like, you're coming beside them and you're coaching them and you're saying, you're not alone. Like we we're going to figure this out. Like mama found this new teacher and she's going to help me create these activities. And we're going to do X, Y, and Z and like all these things. Like I can just imagine how much that right off the bat helps lower children's anxiety because no longer are they being thought of as the troubled child or the kid with the issues or like disempowered because they can't do X, Y, and Z if someone doesn't fix it for them. Like they have choices, they're empowered, they have support. Mama's going to, and dad is going to help them create a plan and they're going to review that plan often. They're going to stay consistent. And they're going to have fun, right? Because I know your your program and what you teach is fun, right? I mean, it's like, I'm sure you incorporate play and fun into oh my gosh. all this stuff, yes. right? <laughs> That's extremely, yes, it's extremely important. And I, I could not agree more. And I will, you know, so many, uh, one of the, one of the biggest compliments uh, that, that I can receive and that I'm fortunate enough to hear often from our students, uh, usually the first thing that they start to say is, I feel connected to my child for the first time mm-hmm. in a long time. And that's often like yeah. days, like you said, because it like it just understanding what is going on with your child and seeing that, wait, this isn't them being bad. Like they're struggling. And, and then you're on the same team and your kid knows that. And it's like, it just, it changes everything. It just, it puts you on a totally different trajectory. A hundred percent. Yes. Families, I have a question for you. Would you love to be able to set really strong boundaries and rules with your children and then follow through with consistency and firm kindness? If yes, listen up. I have a program called the Firm and Kind Parenting Blueprint that I'd love for you to go check out. You can learn more over at freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash firm and 
kind. Inside of this quick, easy to finish program, I'll teach you four steps to really setting those strong roles, but then following through in a way where you're using connection and firm kindness. And what I'll teach you will actually cause your children to want to cooperate with you because they truly respect you and value the rule and the boundary and understand how it serves them, not just something that they have to do or else. And it's just an incredible feeling when you go to bed at night knowing that you followed through on the rules and the strong boundaries in your home without relying on hand-me-down parenting tactics like fear, force, threats, yelling, harsh punishments that really create usually fear in your household, right? We want our children to listen to us because they respect us and because they understand why being part of the team, cooperating well, respecting rules, all those things, why that feels good as a human being. We want to do those things um, in ways that cause our children to want to respect us, not just because they're scared of us or a consequence. And that's exactly what I'm going to teach you inside this program. So again, head on over to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash firm and kind to learn more. But in under an hour, this program will teach you some really effective strategies on how to create agreements with your kids instead of compliance statements, which is where a lot of parents go wrong and why their children don't end up respecting the rules or the agreements that they've made. And then I'm going to teach you how to use empathy. I'll teach you how to engage your kids' critical thinking skills when you tell them to do something and they say no. And then I'm also going to encourage you to understand how to empower your children. When children feel empowered, especially strong-willed kids, they will cooperate a whole heck of a lot easier, okay? So I want you to go learn about this program and let me me know if you have any questions. Freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash firm and kind. I love it. Okay, last question, and then I'm gonna just fire off a few of these questions. Um, and just to just to reiterate, things can be layered, right? So if your child has a hint of ADHD or ADD, or um, you know, like a hint of anxiety or a lot of anxiety or whatever it may be um, that can be layered with sensory, right? So anytime you're helping with each little thing, you're, it's all going to contribute to relief for this child and better behavior and more peace in the home. Right. But it's different components can stack, right? Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Because listen, and this is where, again, the confusion comes in. And I actually, that uh, Instagram live I was doing yesterday that you're mentioning about the ADHD and how it's connected. It's somebody asked me on that. They said, wait, aren't sensory issues autism? And I was like, no, <laughs> no, right. uh, 80%, these like 80% of children with autism have significant sensory processing difficulties, but they are two separate issues. So in the same right. thing, ADHD, children with ADHD, 40% of them have significant sensory issues. And so the number is higher. So I'm talking about significant sensory issues. So when we're talking about moderate to mild sensory issues, that's probably the majority of ADHD kids. That's probably all of kids with autism. But for example, like when we look at ADHD, we know from research that that is likely caused from difficulties with neurotransmitters. Like, you know, they've studied the brain and they're like, oh, there's not enough mm -hmm. dopamine in the brain. That's what's causing the ADHD. When we look at sensory issues, it's related to the white matter. So these are two different things. So it's not, I think a lot of times people get confused and think, well, ADHD is sensory issues or sensory issues are ADHD or my kid was misdiagnosed and 
Although, of course, that can happen. Usually, these are two distinct issues that we're looking at. The same applies to anxiety. So when we're looking at these things, they're commingled, but it's it's not one is causing the other. It's just that it's very common to have both. Yes. And I can even imagine like things like ODD or even trauma, right? Like they all could stack and... Yeah. It's amazing. So, oh, well, I'm just so happy um, that now the community knows how to start to seek to understand and learn more about sensory. So, okay, Alicia. So I'm going to just pull up some questions that I thought, oh my gosh, let's run this by Alicia and just see. Here's what I'm like, of course, you're going to teach us um, all the like so much more uh, in the free challenge. And and my community is so familiar with challenges because we do them quite often here and it's just the best way to get family's momentum, right? Um, But let me just read you some questions and then maybe you could just chime in with like, oh gosh, yeah, there could be sensory issues here at play or like, Wendy, that just seems like, you know, parenting and (laughs) misbehavior and like whatever. Okay, so let me read you the first one. Um, she wrote in and she said, um, I've been observing my six-year-old with compassion and I'm wondering if there are some sensory issues at play. Sometimes his body gets into what looks like overwhelm and it seems to me like he has a need or his body has a need to bang into things, move jaggedly and fast, create loud noise, get up close into people's faces. It can happen even after we've been outside and expended lots of energy. And it particularly happens when he needs to do a bowel motion, when he needs to poop. Is this a thing? It drives me crazy. And yet once I separate my own reaction out of it, I can see he's not in attention or revenge. This particular mama knows the four categories of misbehavior really well. He's just a bit unconnected or unregulated or something. I don't know what question to ask something along the lines of what is this? Where can I go for more info? How can I best support him in these moments? They don't last all day and he is very capable, capable or concentrating on tasks at other times. How can I support him to calm down? And I actually gave her your information, <laughs> but talk to me. Oh, is this, could sensory be in this? <laughs> uh, yes, 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 yes. All of those signs are very big sensory signs. So any time we see kids pushing, shoving, especially again, kids can do that in, in anger because it's like this overflow. Uh, and you know, again, you know, we can talk, there can be all kinds of difficulties there, you know, with, like you said, uh, parenting, emotional regulation, all kinds of stuff, because sensory feeds into that. But particularly if we see a child doing these things when there's not an emotional trigger, uh, that's a really clear sign that uh, there's something going on. That's so what I will often say to parents when I'm trying to describe sensory, does your kid do something weird or odd or frustrating uh-huh. or, you know, again, like those are like some of the things because a lot of times parents are like, my kid does this thing and it's so strange. Uh, like one mom I worked with, her son it used to make her crazy before bed. She'd read him stories and he would sit and like push on his knees. And, you know, obviously it wasn't hurting anybody, but it would just seem very bizarre to her. And it was bothersome. Like, why does he do this every night? Yeah. And then she learned about sensory and then they like changed up their routine. And guess what? He stopped pushing on his knees because he was getting his needs met, but it was, uh, it was definitely sensory. It was definitely sensory. So whenever we see Got kids it. like doing that kind of weird stuff, like pushing on things and then they're not, there's no emotional trigger. Yes. Yes, sensory. And and the bowel movement piece can definitely be pulled in because that actually plays into our sensations. 
we mostly think about sensory processing as uh, sensations from outside coming in, but it does involve the internal sensations of our body too. So if he's trying to like struggling with that, maybe those are feeling particularly strong to him and he's trying to counterbalance that. Yeah. All related. Oh, so, okay. So helpful to hear. I can't wait for her to, to listen to all that. Yeah. Um, okay, good. Here's another one. And, and it's interesting that you say if there's not an emotional trigger, right? Cause that is my specialty, right? Like I teach parents how to have emotional literacy and regulation themselves, and then how to teach their children how to have emotional literacy and regulation, right? So that does wonders to help children be able to self-calm, keep their hands to themselves, all the things. So this could be an example of one that's more that. Um, So let's just see. Hey, everyone, um, I need some help with my boys. I have twins, um, one of them, and they're nine. One of them is particularly violent and is always hurting his brother. It typically starts with them cursing around, horsing around, and then escalates. And then one of them goes, way too far and hurts the other one. Or he just walks past his brother and punches him for no reason. (laughs) Even with us, rather than tapping on our shoulder when he wants our attention, he hits. Or then we go places, he will go too far with other kids thinking it's normal. It's like he doesn't know limits and doesn't understand how he uses his body is hurting people. And he likes it, which is scary to us. My boys have always been super physical and are tremendous athletes. We see this one particularly will become more violent on the days he hasn't gone to soccer or done PE. Even in the womb, this one would always be kicking my sides and is the fastest runner at his school. So often I will have him go on runs with me or walk the dog together. We have tried all the stuff we teach, redos, agreements, family meetings, consequent, logical consequences. I've worked with his brother about how to walk away from fights, protect himself, ask for help, all the things. Um, and they stopped corporal punishment, which is fantastic. Cause one of my biggest missions in life is to help families stop the corporal punishment. Um, and we practice no yelling. So it's not being modeled anymore in our home. So she said, I'm at a loss here, help any ideas. So could this be related to sensory? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So here, yeah. So here's the thing. Like, while I, it's it's just super clear that it's majorly sensory and primarily sensory when there's not an emotional trigger. But if there is an emotional trigger, it's it, it still could absolutely be sensory. And okay. the thing that's really tipping me off about that is that he's doing it to them, to the parents, and he's you know like when he's trying to touch them, he's doing it with other kids. And it's worse on days when he hasn't had the activity. So those are all like really clear indications. This is related to sensory. And what we see with that sometimes is that kids will have kids with certain types of sensory needs will uh, have a very difficult time grading their force. So I am trying to keep this super layman's terms here, but like that makes uh, sense. Yeah. Like they, it's like they they don't perceive the touch. So this is a child that is probably not receiving the sensations very well. Like their brain is like, it's like losing them. It doesn't really understand. It doesn't have a sense of um, intricacy. So like when you think of like bowl in the China shop, that is a child that like doesn't have a really good sense of where their body is. They don't really, you know, like they're bumping in everything. Yeah. Clumsy. It's another big sensory sign because it's like, I don't know my elbows over here. I don't really have a sense of that. Like, I don't really know where that is. I don't, I don't know how hard to hold my pencil. So sometimes kids with sensory issues, you'll see they write and they're like writing through the paper or they're writing with their pencil and it's like feather light. 
because they like, they're barely touching the paper because, and, and sometimes teachers will think, well, this is a fine motor issue, but really it's a sensory issue. It's not that they're mm-hmm. having a hard time holding the pencil. And that applies to everything that applies to sports that applies to just basically that can, you know, gosh, measure, you know, you're baking and you're teaching your kid to bake. And they're like trying to measure ingredients out and they just keep spilling everything because they don't know how to slow their arm down to like pour the milk into the cup first, you know? So yes, still related to sensory. Okay. Oh, I love it. Okay. Alicia, we have two more minutes. I'm going to hit this one real fast and then we're going to, um, See, see you off. I know you have a busy day. Okay. So, okay. This one background Graham seeks, um, he's three. He seeks high sensory input. Even as a baby, he would ram his head into the glass door hard enough to cause marks repeatedly for the sensory experience. He likes to sit at the bottom of slides and have kids run into him or stand in front of swings and be knocked over. He tries to climb to the highest places, sometimes very dangerous things, not designed for climbing. He will scream or say things repeatedly to make brother's sister upset because I believe he likes the loud noise of his brother or sister screaming upset. He also sucks his thumb and picks his skin at the same time to the point of scars and dripping blood 25 to 50% of the day. Question, how do I prevent him from breaking other people's toys, crayons, ripping papers, pulling flowers, crushing landscaping? This is a big one. I, I can already answer this now that I'm, after I just had this conversation with you, like I get it now that this is sensory. Standing in front of kids on play sets so they don't walk through, sitting on top of slides so that no one else can come down, taking toys from babies, pinching babies. Essentially, how do I stop him from hurting other people, mainly strangers or hurting other people, possessions, again, of strangers? I want advice with how to make agreements around these things and how to not crush crowns, smash the landscaping, all these things. So um, she says, I know this is a broad question, but it all stems from his desire to hear other kids scream or to feel the the toys break or watch the flowers crumble because it seems that the sensory experience fills him up. We try to, to fill up the sensory bucket as much as possible. We are outside five hours a day. We have kinetic sand and Play-Doh. We have indoor and outdoor swings, rock wall and climbing home in the basement. That's a lot of stuff. We have made IM charts with him, um, which do not seem to help minimize the hurting somewhat. So of course, not looking for the coaching on what to do, because I know you're going to get into that in the challenge, but obviously this is sensory, right? Yes, it is. And I bravo to your parents who have some awareness of sensory or at least saying, Hey, this is, this is related to sensory. And I think it's excellent. Cause I was about to say when he's sitting at the top of the slide or standing in front of a swing, is that really about sensory or now are we dipping into some like attentional mm-hmm. behavior seeking stuff? But if yeah. she's really observed him and she's watching that he likes that yelling, then it is, it is sensory based, you know, that, he, you know, it's not about the attention. It's about getting that, that sensation because he's seeking it out. So this is an example of a kid that is highly in the seeking lane. He does not have any, he is a hardcore seeker. These kids, when we have kids at either end of the extreme, either like excessively avoiding or excessively seeking, it is very challenging. And it does These kids Mm -hmm. often need deeper strategy. So all of those things, I can't help myself. So I have to speak to this a little bit on the things that your your mom is doing, Uh, but she is doing great. Like those are such great strategies, but so many of our sensory kids need deeper strategies. And there are kind of specific things you can do, especially with seekers. Uh, There are specific types of movements that I teach in my program because sometimes 
Uh, kids that are seeking, if you give them like free range activities, even though it's movement based, it just winds them up more. Like it just keeps like mm. escalating them. Like they just keep getting more and more excited. And they, they, there's just like, does not seem to ever be a cap. So it does involve some deeper strategies, but yes, to answer your question, that is a hundred percent clearly sensory. And it, you know, I would encourage her to you know, like, make sure that there aren't those other attentional components to it, but it sounds like she's even yeah. already thought through that. So Yes. Awesome. Very good. That's so helpful. I'm just realizing too, that we had Stella do like the brain highways stuff for a while and some of the activities in there, I bet helped with these connections. It just made me think about, I, I, you forget about all these things you did with your kids when they're a little right now that they're older. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Alicia, this has been so helpful. You are absolutely incredible. And just, just take a few minutes to tell us a little bit more about this challenge. Um, families, you can get registered at freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash sensory, but tell us when it starts and what it'll include. It's like live time with you, right? There's even like a Q&A component. Is that right? Tell us more. Yes. And then we'll say yes. goodbye. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So this is going to be a seven-day challenge we'll be spending together. We're going to have three core lessons where I'm going to teach you the four uh, step process, my main strategy for addressing any sensory issue, no matter what it is. So we're going to walk through that in the challenge and through our core lessons. Uh, we will also have Q and a time. So yes, they are going to be live, but we will have recordings too. I know everybody's like busy mom, parent going a million different directions. So don't stress and feel like, you know, if you need to watch it at 10 PM, that's totally fine. Uh, we're going to have a private Facebook group community that is just for this challenge. We'll be having Q&A sessions in there. Uh, we have worksheets, printables, uh, different activities for you to work through on different days of the challenge as well. So just to help you start to identify these uh, sensory issues in your child and match what would be the right activities for them. That's really what this is all about so that you can manage and improve their sensory issues. Oh, so good. That's so awesome, Alicia. Um, community, go get registered. And I'm going to try to tune in a lot too, because I am consistently wanting to learn more about this because it does. It's so wonderful for me to be able to support our families a little, just by having a little bit more knowledge. And today's today's session, this podcast really has helped Alicia. So thank you for taking time out of your busy day to spend with my community of listeners. We appreciate the work that you're doing in the world and um, your light. And uh, we will see you soon at the challenge. Oh, thank you so much, Wendy. It was such a joy to be here. For links and more info about everything we talked about in today's episode, head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash 118. And as always, if you haven't yet downloaded our free guide to raising strong-willed kids with integrity without losing your mind, make sure you grab that on the homepage of the website, freshstartfamilyonline.com. For more information, go to freshstartfamilyonline.com. Thanks for listening, families. Have a great day. All right, listeners, that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it for you. As we wrap up here, don't forget to DM me the word shift or head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline to grab your free discipline quick start learning bundle. You'll get immediate access to download our extensive learning guide where I'll share five ways you can ditch the old school hand-me-down punishment mindset beliefs and thoughts that are causing you to react like a volcano 
volcano instead of respond like the firm, kind, respectful teacher you are at your core. And then you'll also get immediate access to my on-demand workshop where I'll teach you our three core Fresh Start family strategies that make up a strong, compassionate, disciplined toolkit, as well as my favorite logical consequences that not only work with kids of all ages, but do wonders to unite you with your child and strengthen your relationship, even in your kids' worst moments. So pop on over to Instagram right now and just shoot me a DM with the word shift and I'll send you a personal link to download that bundle right away. Or you can head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline to get access immediately. All right. Thanks for listening. And I'll see you inside that free bundle and also inside the next episode.